Welcome back to Not Too Busy to Write. I'm Penny Windsor, author and book coach. Before I introduce today's guests, I wanted to let you know that I'm going to be hosting a writer's retreat with Ease Retreats in North Wales from April 20th to the 23rd. This retreat will focus on non-fiction book proposals and it will include masterclasses as well as one-to-one sessions, as well as an evening with a literary agent. All this will be happening by the sea with gorgeous food and time to rest and think and have conversations with other writers. If you're interested in joining us, please visit easeretreats.com forward slash nonfiction with Penny Windsor. And I'll pop a link in the show notes as well. Now on to today's guest. Nicola Washington is a social media marketer with years of experience who's recently shifted to focusing on helping writers to use social media. Nicola is deeply passionate about books and about helping writers to get their message out there. As she says in this episode, after the immense, difficult work of writing a whole book, what a huge waste of time if nobody hears about it. Nicola is full of insights, especially for those who are not so comfortable on social media. This is a really practical episode. If you're a writer, a new writer who wants to grow their platform, or if you're an author who has a book coming out, or perhaps a book already out in the world that needs promoting. From genuine relationship building to how much to post about your own book to using your time on apps more strategically, Nicola is full of wisdom for those who want to spread ideas, share their work, and create meaningful change through social media. Enjoy the episode. Nicola, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Hello. (laughs) It's lovely to be here. (laughs) So let's start with you. You are a social media marketer who specializes in working with writers. I guess I want to start with why writers? Um, You've been working in social media for quite a while now, but why writers specifically? Yeah, that's right. So I have been working in social media for six, six years, seven years, and for a very long time worked with small businesses. And at the end, towards the end of last year, I had some changes in circumstances all, all happening at once, um, you know, t- to do with businesses' circumstances changing. So it was very much not a choice for me. And um, I spent about a fortnight panicking because I was suddenly going to be losing quite a lot of business and uh, and then had an epiphany. <laughs> And, I'd, and it was very strange, actually, because there was one day when I uh, had been on social media, of course, and I saw this post that said something about, you know, if you're when you're when you're working, if you align your work to your interests, then that makes your work life a lot more enjoyable. Obviously, not every part of your work life can be enjoyable, but much more of it can be. And my gut response to that was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, some of us has to have to live in the real world. Um <laughs> And then literally the next day, I came off a call with my uh, amazing writers group, who you know very well. Um, and um, I was I was out walking my dog and I just had this moment and I thought, oh, my God, I literally have never come across a social media marketer or manager who works with book people, whether that be um, writers in the stages before they get a book deal, writers approaching publication, after publication, um, agents, the publishers. I mean, I love books, obviously, obviously I'm going to be a huge fan of publishers, but publishers, social media accounts, generally speaking, are, I don't know, set somewhere back in 2015. They really have not moved with the times. Yes. They're, and they're quite terrible. They are really quite terrible. And I understand why. You know, I understand it's just not a priority for them. However, I just thought, oh, my God, there actually is an opportunity here. Mm. I have expertise. I have skills. And I have a love, uh, an interest in books and writing and writers. Um, and I thought, what if I can actually align those two things? Mm. Wouldn't that be brilliant? So I instantly got on the phone to you and to <laughs> Ilona and I said, is this crazy? And you both said no, because both of you have been through the process and know just how little support writers and authors get with marketing your books, especially if you're a debut author, you get practically nothing. And, um, you know, all of the marketing budgets at the publishers go into their celebrity list 
And um, you said, no, like we get so little support. And actually, um, you guys already had some knowledge when you went into publishing your books, but lots of people don't have that. Lots of people are starting mm-hmm. from scratch or they've only used social media in a very personal way. Um, and they don't know how to use social media to market their books. And I just thought, I know, I you know, I am extremely um, familiar with the the darker less desirable sides of social media but I also believe in the power of it to get the word out about things that people really care about and I just thought gosh like imagine being able to give that megaphone to all these writers and teach them how to use it so they can get they can reach as many people as possible with their book so at the end of um yeah at the end of last year it really was the moment when I thought I could actually do this so I'm still working with small businesses but I am sort of sort of more actively targeting a, a, a writers and authors market with the kind of advice that I'm putting out on social media at the moment. And those are the people that, you know, I really want to move into supporting with their social media much more. Um, so that's my that's kind of my goal for this year is to grow that part of my business. I was so excited when you told me that you were taking your business in this direction because like you said, there is so little support out there for social media for authors. Um, Publishers just expect basically authors to come with all their own social media and social media expertise. Um, They do a terrible job of their own social media. Sorry, publishers, but you really do. You really do not know how to use it. Or don't care. One or the other. I'm not quite sure. One or the other. They're very stretched. I imagine that they're very stretched. They are, but okay. One thing I'm going to mention, and I really hope maybe some maybe some people working in PR and marketing departments and publishers are listening. Maybe not. Um, even when I'm publicizing other people's books on my social media, I'll often tag the publisher, and nobody in their social media marketing team even reposts it to a stories to say to be like, "Hey, look at all these people talking about how amazing this book is." Um, yeah, I mean that it doesn't even happen. They just yeah. usually largely ignore every tag, and, and even and when we're talking about that. how amazing their books are. Yeah, it's very strange. And I've had that exact same experience, both on my personal account, which I've grown over many years, um, where you sort of think, you know, there's, I don't know, around 25,000 people on there. And you'd sort of think that they would be delighted to know that somebody with a potential audience of 25,000 people is out there talking about their book and not just tumbleweed, absolute <laughs> tumbleweed, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's we're, we're going on a tangent. Let's 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 come back to you again. So, um, let's just to give a bit of background, um, to the listeners about um about your where you come from in terms of yeah. your professional background and also your social media background. So, tell us how did you come to social media marketing? Yeah, I mean, because I I did go a peculiar route. Um, I don't have a marketing degree. Um, I studied English literature at university, and then I came out of university and immediately became a secondary school English teacher. And I did that for 12 years. Um, Amazing job, um, impossible job. Um, Huge amounts of respect for all teachers who are out there listening. Um, I had my kids. um, And when my son was born in 2015, um, I suddenly realized that going back to work as a teacher with the demands of that job coupled with my own personal circumstances, it just, I just couldn't see a way of making it work. Um, so I, you know, at, at that time, I was only just starting on social media myself. I'd, I'd had a Facebook account for years since, since it had launched, a personal Facebook account, but I'd only recently come across Instagram and um, what I decided to do, so, 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 at the very end of um, 2015, as I was returning to work um, from my maternity leave, I had a really difficult return to work and I ultimately decided to leave teaching. And um, at that time, I was already very aware that this home life was probably not going to be a great fit. And I decided to start a blog because I'd sort of seen over the course of, you know, a short, a short amount of time, just being on Instagram as a personal user, that there was this thing now called blogging. So I decided to start my own blog. 
in around January 2016 and mostly at the time writing about being a mom of two children two small children and and what that was like and it was very much around the time of you know people like the unmumsy mum really blowing up um and, and going absolutely getting absolutely huge and I started my own Instagram account in order to promote that blog um and I very quickly became convinced of the possibilities of of this strange thing that we were doing on the internet I thought my god like you can reach all these people I was I was you know electronically meeting people who cared about the same things that I'd cared about I'd never really met people in real life who cared as deeply about the kinds of things that I cared about mm. um, and I was suddenly able to have these eye-opening conversations learn new things you know satisfy my I don't know never-ending curiosity um while also connecting with people over the challenges and difficulties that I was having about motherhood and um so that sort of sort of went on for about six months during this initial period of being unemployed and then I came across an organization called Digital Mums, who specialized at the time, they've, they've since um, evolved into something else. But at, this, at the time, they specialized in retraining mums to be social media managers. Hmm. And it was a six month long course um, where you basically learned how to uh, be strategic. Um, you learn the ins and outs of, of various platforms. Um, and then at the end of that six month course, I was ready to um, begin be being a social media marketer as, as my job. Um, and I'd been blogging throughout this period of time and building up my own personal social media account, which, you know, was going really well. And um, I knew very, very um, sort of surface level. I didn't know her well. I knew Steph Douglas, who uh, runs a company called Don't Buy Her Flowers. And I contacted her and I said, I've just finished my um, my, my training. She'd seen something on my Instagram and, and it just so happened that she was ready to employ a social media um, manager for her business. So it, that kind of just kicked it off and, and on it went from there, really. And you also, through that, grew another, co-founded another platform as well. Yes. And so you're really, you're kind of, all of your interests and your values sort of aligned in a funny kind of way on the internet, which is sort of like... <laughs> I think because we're so we can be so um, quite rightly skeptical of things like social media now, but um, we sort of forget. And it's interesting hearing you talk about how this idea of like never having met that many people that you connected in terms of values and people who cared about the same thing, and um, and in some ways it's easy for us to just be really very hard on social media and not mm -hmm. remember some of the incredible things that have also That's come it. out of it. You know, we're a guinea pig generation. We're the first people to kind of have a foot in both worlds and the people after mm. it's only known this world of you know social media as adults uh, and as, as children you know younger people um and we're gonna make a ton of mistakes mm. and some of those mistakes have been horrendous um mm. horribly damaging I mean I don't know if you remember in the mum blogging world sort of between 2017 and 2019 there was endless scandal and intrigue and people stabbing one another in the back and drama all playing out in public mm. across the internet it was a you know at times it was a really unpleasant place mm. um that you know a, a lot of judgment and you know unfortunately we're encouraged to you know women and mothers especially we're encouraged to judge one another very harshly and that really played out um mm. across the internet so yeah I am completely open-eyed about the downsides of social media. I'm very fortunate that I've never been on the receiving end of huge amounts of trolling or abuse or anything like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I know people who have, and I've seen the impact it can have on people firsthand. And um, it is horrible. And there is no excuse for it. Then there is this flip side, the other side of the coin, where you can use it to meet people, build relationships, collaborate, um, spread ideas, mm. um, learn, teach, um, support. It can also be this really positive place as well. Yeah. Um, 
And I very often think that when people say, you know, I don't like social media, I don't want to be on it, um, it's horrible. I think, yeah, I actually agree with you. But I don't think that's the full story. I mm-hmm. think that there are ways of being present on social media and using social media as a tool that can actually be transformative. It was transform. I, I genuinely feel like it was transformative for me. Mm. It gave me um, the confidence to believe in the things that I've always believed in, but never really thought I was allowed to believe in. Maybe mm. it's given me um, language to articulate ideas. Um, it's it, it gave me for, for very complex ideas because I, I think you know you've got to keep it into perspective that social media should be a jumping off point. where you learn that certain things may exist and you start your learning there and then you take it offline and you take Mm. it deeper um for me it's been a a a, you know a real diet you know it's a diving board for me not even a jumping off point like for things that I cared about but didn't Mm. know an awful lot about um so things like feminism um anti-racism um anti-capitalism you know all of these things that in my gut I think I always Mm. knew were important to me but I didn't have the um, confidence or the insight or the background to have faith in that those things were valid um, and the internet genuinely gave gave me that kind of scaffolding to to build a lot of ideas and thinking um, so yeah I sympathize entirely with people who say I don't like the internet I don't think it's a, it's a healthy thing for us. Um, but I think like all things, um, we have to be mindful of how we're using it, how yeah. much we're using it, what we're actually doing there. And if we can learn to do that, then I do believe that it can be a force for good. And, and, I, and I don't, I'm not naive. I know there are always going to be people who seek to um, harness it for nefarious um, you know reasons but I you know I also think well well let's not just abandon it to those people let's, yes let's reclaim it you know let's yes absolutely yeah um and on that note so that's what I think is so interesting about this conversation it is really common to hear writers particularly kind of unsurprisingly in a way because I think writing attracts a lot of people that would rather be writing than doing other things <laughs> and on their own <laughs> But, um, but you know, it is social media. It's not broadcast media. So let's talk about this idea of what it means to be a social media rather than a broadcast media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I very often speak to people who say to me, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't want to go on about myself. Like, oh, it makes me feel really strange to constantly be talking about myself. Aren't I meant to be telling people how brilliant I am? And I, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with that. Um, And the short answer to that is that if you're using social media purely to talk about yourself, then you're using it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Because social media should be treated almost as an extension of your everyday face-to-face real um, interactions. So if you think about the way that you would interact with people in real life, you don't just walk up to them and start shouting in their face about how brilliant you are. Um, you don't, you know, get gra- grab the nearest microphone and start reading all of the nice things that other people have said about you. Like that's not how you act in real life. So it really shouldn't be how you're acting online either. You know, in real life, you're asking people questions, you're having conversations, you're building relationships, you're helping people, you're getting involved in things um and that's how you should treat social media you know you use it as a platform to build relationships which involves being interested in what other people are doing in you know just like you would with your best mate you know if they're doing really brilliant stuff you'd go and tell your other friends about what they're doing Mm -hmm. you do that on social media um it's you know if you're talking about yourself more than let's say 25% of the time so if your post let's talk in like in, in numbers of posts if you're talking about yourself more than one in four posts then you're in danger of using it in a way that will make you feel strange that will put people off mm. um, and what you need to do is be talking about other people 
more than you talk about yourself. Now, that I mean, that's a really sort of broad stroke idea because it does actually, depending on what you're trying to achieve at yeah. any given moment in time, how much you talk about yourself will change. But as a general rule, um, you know, sort of 80% of the time, I always say to people, talk about other things, you know, talk about your interests that other people may be interested in. Mm-hmm. Talk about literally other people's work that you're talking about reviewing recommending um and and then save um 20 to 25 percent of your posts to talk just about yourself um and you'll be okay and it feels nicer I asked the other thing feels so nice doesn't it it feels so much nicer because you think okay well maybe I've only got 75 followers but if I tell those 75 followers about this amazing book that I've just read that's 75 people who potentially did not know that book even existed and that Mm. feels good you're helping that writer out by doing that um yeah so I just think you know think of it as a um a relationship building platform rather than a um talking about yourself broadcast platform this is how I've always seen Instagram I've used it for different things over the years it has changed how I've used it but it's absolute number one value to me over the years has been relationships 100% you and I met through Instagram and then we met then in person because of Instagram at a book launch whose book launch was it and yeah Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, So, and that led then to us getting to know each other. You invited me to speak on a panel that you were running um, and it sort of just went back and forth from there, didn't it? And that's the thing is that um, everything that I've built, and in fact, actually almost all of the quotes I got for my first book, apart from a couple that my publisher got because of relationships they had, they all came pretty much from people that I had become friends with on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I had built up that relationship by shouting about other people's books. Um right. because I genuinely loved them. I genuinely wanted other people to read them. I wasn't doing it because they were going to do something back for me. Yeah. I was wanting to share their work with other people. Because I think that is something that people get genuinely wrapped up in. It's like, well, this feels really cynical and really sort of um transactional that oh, I'm only talking about this person's stuff because I want them to talk about my stuff. Mm. And I I always sort of say, well, no. First and foremost, you're not going to go and talk about something that you don't genuinely rate. So don't make that mistake. Only talk about things that you genuinely love. And I have a personal preference that I don't ever slate anything on social media. I'm the same. Never. Yeah. And not on the podcast either. No. Like if I read something that I didn't like, I think, okay, well, that's just not for me. So I'm just not going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like I wouldn't go out of my way to talk about um, what I do like just for the reciprocity just to get something back from the person who's nice whose stuff I've said nice things about because I don't do that in real life so why would I do that on social media exactly yeah you're only going to talk about things that you genuinely feel are going to add value to people's lives whether that's entertainment education whatever it looks like it is adding value to their lives so Mm. that should remove a healthy dose of that cynicism if you just say to yourself okay well this isn't cynical because I genuinely like this thing. I'm just mm. using my social media to tell more people about it. Yeah. Um, and the second reason why I don't feel like it's cynical is, is, again, just going back to kind of like social media as an extension of real life, is you don't feel like it's cynical in real life. If you tell somebody about something that you've loved, I love this TV program, I thought it was brilliant, um, you're not you're not doing that because you expect something off the TV programs creators. You're yeah. doing it because, so just use that as your yardstick, as your benchmark. You know, is this something that I would say to a friend in real life? Well, yeah, it is. So in that case, of course, it's not cynical to put it onto the internet. Um, and actually, I think the other thing as well is, especially when it comes to things like books, letting writers know just how much your their words have touched you in in moved you how much they've resonated with you in whatever way I think must be just a gorgeous thing to happen Mm -hmm. as a writer to know to have that direct communication with a reader and to know what your words and story has meant to them so you're actually putting something really lovely out in the in the into the world even if you don't get anything back. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm so big on this. I get random messages all the time from people who have read Tender, um, just out of the blue. And it's incredible. It's incredible to be reminded that something that you have done has had some impact somewhere. But obviously, you know, once the the bulk of the work is over and it's sort of I'm on doing other things, it's sort of really lovely to know it's still out there in the world doing its thing. Yeah. And it's something that I've always done. I often just send messages to people that I don't know on social media to thank yeah. them for a book or yeah. post or tag them in on, on something because the book has meant so much to me or their work of other kind has meant so much yeah. to me because it does feel like you're adding some goodness to the world. Like it does oh, feel like some, know. yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's make the most of that. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit now about strategy. Cause I imagine there's lots and lots of writers thinking, okay, that's great. But mm. where do I even begin? So mm. I wanted to begin um, by asking you um, what strategy is and why is it different to just tactics, the idea of, of social media tactics? Yeah, yeah, which is a huge area of confusion that I see across social media because obviously I follow um, all kinds of social media accounts who are offering advice on social media and usually what they're offering is tactics and tips mm. and tricks. And they very often frame it as uh, beat the algorithm, which is just something that drives me absolutely potty because <laughs> the last thing that people should be trying to do is to beat the algorithm. Um, and I sort of, the way I think of it is, is that the last thing you should be thinking about when you're thinking about how you approach your social media, the very last thing that you be that you should be thinking about is the actual piece of content that you're posting. That is the very last thing. With a lot of these tips and tricks and hacks accounts, that's the first thing they're mm -hmm. thinking about. They're just giving you an idea for a piece of content, one piece of content, uh, whether that's with a trending audio, whether that's um, the kind of caption, the hooks that you can use, the, the lip sync, that whatever it be, uh, whatever it might be, they're giving you an idea for a single piece of content that might be trending right there and then. So may have um, a very short term positive impact on the results you see for that single piece of content. Mm. Strategy strips it all the way back away from those pieces of content that you're posting. So this is why if you're just sort of posting stuff to social media without giving um, your strategy any thought, um, you probably won't see the kinds of results that you want to see. I always say to people is that they need to take it all the way back. The first thing they need to be asking themselves is who am I trying to talk to? Because you can't talk to everybody. Um, I, that There's a somebody far cleverer than I once said, you know, if you try to be for everybody, you end up being for nobody. And I really think that's true. Um, because if you end up trying, if you're trying to be for everybody, you end up almost saying nothing. Um, you end up being very vanilla, um, not offering any kind of opinions that you ever feel might upset anybody. Um, or even you end up worrying about, am I boring people? Mm. And actually, there probably should be some people that you are boring. Because if you're being true to yourself and the things that you're interested in, not everybody will be interested in those same things. Yeah. So I think getting used to the idea that, okay, not everybody's going to like me and that's okay, can be really fundamental to getting onto social media and acting in a way that you feel is true to yourself. Mm. So first of all, who are you trying to talk to? Don't worry about the people you're boring. Worry about the people who are going to be interested in what you have to say, because mm -hmm. there will be people who are going to be interested in what you have to say. And especially if you're a writer who's already secured a book deal, your publisher is clearly confident that there is a readership out there for your book. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be paying you to write it. Um, and the same goes for your fiction book as well. If you've secured a big deal for that, they obviously know there's a market out there. So you've got to figure out, OK, well, who are the people who are going to be reading this book at some point? And they're the people that you need to be trying to talk to. So it's all about identifying that target audience or ideal reader first. The second thing you then have to think about doing is establishing, well, what am I trying to achieve at what point in this 
um, process am I? Am I trying to grow my audience because I haven't secured a book deal yet and I'd like to do that in advance so I have people to talk to about my book when I hopefully do get there? Um, Or do you have your book deal so you've got a publication date in the diary and you know you need to work towards that so that you can um, be ready to promote that book when the time comes? Or are you even post-publication but you feel like you've missed a trick and you want to go back because those books are there forever now, right? So you Mm. should be continue promoting them and continue talking about them so where are you in that process and what is your objective so once you know who you're talking to what why are you talking to them are you trying to talk to them to to build those relationships are you trying to talk to them because um, you want to find the people who are um, interested in the same things that you're interested in that are also going to be in your book Um, Are you talking to them because you have a book to sell? Um, And those things all overlap, but which one you focus on at any Mm. given time will change depending on where you are in that process. So, yeah, you have your, you know, you, you, you know who you're talking to, you know why you're talking to them. You've got which in marketing lingo is your objective. Um, And then you start to think, about okay well what kinds of things am I going to talk to them about Um, and this is where um, you generate what I call pillars Um, it's kind of like four or five different topic areas that you are going to post about Um, one of those will be you and your work um, but the others are much more fluid and will depend on you your life your boundaries, um, your interests, your audience's interests, what your book's about. So you go through these steps and then the very last thing you do is look at your content pillars and then come up with content ideas for Mm -hmm. each of those pillars. And then that's a kind of ongoing process where you keep, you know, generating ideas. I love this idea of pillars. It's something that I've used for quite a while. I think in the beginning I was unconsciously using them Mm. and then I became much more conscious of it. And then I I became conscious of it. And, and now I have very clear boundaries about what I post about and what I don't, which occasionally I blur to test the waters Mm. to see how I feel about a new pillar, which is interesting, (laughs) but it's such an interesting way. And I think it makes it so much more manageable for people who either have lurked on social media for a long time and haven't been posting and want to start posting much more, but don't really know where to begin. If you have your four areas written down that you post within these four areas and these four areas only, it's actually really freeing to know you don't have to post about your kids or you don't have to post about the fact that you're, you know, really into running or Pilates unless you really want that to be part of your social media mm-hmm. because you absolutely don't have to. If yeah. if you love running but posts about running bore the crap out of you, you don't yeah. have to post about okay. it. You are okay. not obliged to in any way. And having those pillars I think is so helpful for kind of knowing yeah. where you want to focus on and where you are just happy to let everything else just be your personal life. That's it. Exactly. And I feel like having a framework to hook your ideas onto mm. is, is is such a useful way to approach social media that can also stop you feeling completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, you know, the possibilities are kind of endless. Yeah. Like, how, how do I know what to post about? Well, if you know what your book's about, for example, um, then you've already you've already kind of almost set your content pillars up up already um, because you will have endless um, research or ideas or expertise to share because you've already got all of that work or you're doing all of that work as you go along Um, you know and if you're writing memoir then you're talking about your life or elements of parts of your life well that's the sort of stuff you can also share in different ways on social media Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you're writing fiction you know, you'll always be writing stuff that you don't end up using. Um, you have characters to introduce. You have settings to introduce. To, to You have the reason why you're writing that story in the first place. Like, where did it start? How did it evolve? How long has it been taking you? The process that, you know, the 
the possibilities kind of feel endless, um, which can freeze people. Mm. <laughs> I sometimes think um, where they just say, well, I, I don't know what to talk about. Um, and, and setting it up into those pillars can help people sort of formulate a, a plan, better formulate yeah. a plan for themselves. And then you don't have to do all of the hard thinking all of the time because you've got that to refer back to. You've already done 50% of the thinking um, because you've already said these are the topic areas that I'm going to focus on, that I'm going to post about. Um, and like you say, anything that falls outside of that, you don't need to be thinking about whether or not it makes a good piece of content because that's not what you're posting about. Mm. Um, so, I mean, when when you talk about your pillars, Penny, so mm. I think I could make a good stab at what your pillars. Yeah, do you want to? Yes, go on. I want to. I want to hear what you think my pillars well, I are. Think they are. So, they, so I would say your pillars would be um, your book your business, your book coaching and your yeah. retreats. Um, so your work, essentially. Um, you also talk about caring mm-hmm. and what, you know, and, and that is a huge, as a very wide um, subject. So both your personal experiences um, within caring, but also the sort of the structures, the system, um, the challenges of navigating that system, the um, the fact that it's a, a crap system, uh, you know, all of that <laughs> stuff. It doesn't work. You know, all of that, all of that stuff under care, caring. Mm-hmm. Um, then your personal writing, your own writing, mm-hmm. um, your writing process, and. Um, the work that the things that you're working on and how you work on those things and how you make space in your life to work on those things that's three but do you have a fourth I mean I would almost say that and I don't know whether this would be a separate thing to my work as a book coach is a bit of crossover really it's is time generally time okay yeah yeah I talk a lot about 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 creating time for your self which sort of slightly goes over some of those other pillars but this is what I mean like sometimes the pillars overlap don't they they should overlap and sometimes you might have an idea for a piece of content that fits into more than one pillar yeah yeah. great just crack on you don't need to because you don't need to the pillars are for you they're not for anybody else exactly nobody else needs to know it's funny I mean I knew you would understand what my pillars were because I've been quite boundaries about it in a way because in fact actually I would call my caring pillars unpaid work generally okay yeah and um and so within that, obviously, unpaid work comes my first book, which is yeah. a lot about that. Um, but also the time thing that I I kind of I talk about also sort of falls into the unpaid work category sometimes a little bit as well. So, um, but yeah, spot on. You basically can spot my pillars. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that and that's the thing is that it's really it's really useful for me personally to have those particular pillars. They are going to change a bit over yes. the next year or two, Absolutely. which they sure. will over time, won't they? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and if you've got, you've got a book coming up, you've got a book coming out, um, your pillars now will be different to the ones, may, you know, you, you've got that book coming out, you continue promoting it and you should never really stop. I would like to say that, like don't, yeah. three months after your book comes out, don't suddenly like abandon publicizing it altogether. It just might not be, you might not talk about it as much and mm. you may bring in something new that ties into um, the, the new work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, so you you might, you know, get abandon one pillar, bring in something, something yeah. new. So they should, it should change. The things you're talking about should evolve. Um, I, you know, I think about my own, um, I mean, I, not, not so much, um, about a book, but my own personal account, um, not my work account, my personal account, which I basically abandoned these days because I haven't got time for it. But um, for, for years, was an account that was about motherhood, um, then became an account that was kind of a little bit about motherhood, but more about sort of feminism and anti-racism. And then as my political understanding developed, became about <laughs> anti-capitalism and my feelings about how we fit um, as women and as mothers into this um, society and system. It evolved. It changed. Mm-hmm. Um, things I posted about became increasingly political and, the you know, tied to the personal 
but they became it became less and less personal and it definitely became less and less about my kids yeah because my boundaries shifted as well as well as my sort of content shifting as I evolved in the way that I wanted to use social media I you know my kids got older um my boundaries moved with that so these things should be fluid yeah nobody should feel caged in by any kind of strategy that they're putting onto their social media it should be a framework to hang things off yeah. and if you find that things are not working for you anymore or you've made a, a wrong turn and you actually go oh god no this isn't fitting for me I need to then move move yeah. change it do something different and let's talk about something you mentioned just then Mm. Uh, time. <laughs> yeah. um, because obviously, you know, um, how much time we spend on social media, you could just, you know, how long is a piece of string? You could spend yeah. endless amounts of time on yeah. it. Obviously, we don't have endless amounts of time no. and we need to keep quite strong boundaries around our time in order to be able to get on and write. Because pretty much all of us, um, with a few lovely exceptions, um, <laughs> are running other businesses and doing other jobs alongside writing lives. And yeah. obviously lots of people also have families as well and yeah. are doing other kinds of unpaid work. So um, in terms of how much time we put into social media and how mm-hmm. much return in a way you get from that time, like, what's a good thing to be kind of looking at to kind of help you decide how much yeah. time to put in to your social yeah. media? I mean, you know, the first thing I would probably look at would be the um, the bit on my iPhone that tells me how much time I'm spending on <laughs> social media. You know, yeah. get, get just be a, bit, a little bit honest with yourself and say, okay, well, how much time am I already spending on social media? Like, look at those stats. You know, am I spending four hours a day without even realizing because I'm spending 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, half an hour there, you know, how much time are you already spending there? And then sort of thinking, okay, well, not, and also I'm really keen for people not to beat themselves up about this because God knows like social media can sometimes be, you know, a brilliant source of information it can be um a, a way of escaping something that you don't just don't want to face up to right there and then um you know you've got 10 minutes you haven't got time to sit down and read a book but you have got time to for a quick scroll and to exit your mind for a few minutes yeah and the other thing is as well that these apps are designed to keep us on them they are a never-ending computer game and for us as the poor guinea pigs who are learning how to use this stuff without it taking over our lives, to beat ourselves up about the fact that we lack willpower and spend too much time on social media, I just think is counterproductive. Like, don't go there. If you have to put boundaries in place to to sort of limit how much time you're spending on social media, then put those boundaries in place Mm -hmm. and don't think that you're weak for needing them. I mean, so the really basic things that that I always talk about with time and the fact that social media can become such a time sink um, is I don't look at my phone ever before Mm -hmm. 8am. I try not to look at it before the school run um, until I get back off the school run, that is. Um, in the evenings, I put my phone in a in a different room and I leave it downstairs on charge. Well, not usually on charge, actually. Um, but I leave it downstairs. <laughs> I don't take it up to bed. And I know that these things will vary from person to person. So my husband takes his phone up to bed because he has this this fear that his mum will need to get in contact with him in the middle of the night and and she won't be able to. So I get that not everybody can do these things, but there are things, there are choices that you can make. So take control, first of all, of your phone and your time, but don't beat yourself up about spending whatever too much time looks like. Um, Then, so then once you've kind of been honest with yourself and sort of said, okay, well, I realize that I'm spending more time than I'd actually like to, you've then got to think about well, what am I doing while I'm online and how can I make the time I spend there more impactful? Yeah. Um, And that's not to say that you should never just scroll for enjoyment to watch those silly videos or um, for information because you want to catch up with the news, but separate it out. So kind of separate out your personal social media time and your work social media time, essentially. So 
um, you know, if you're going onto social media to post something that's for your account, that is for your work at the end of the day, then be boundaried with that. So you may post your content, you may spend 10 minutes um interacting with any dms that you've received or any comments that you've got on your last post make sure you're always replying to people who take the time out of their day to talk to you make sure Mm. you're talking back um spend a bit of time each day interacting with the people who follow you I, I quite I always think it's quite a nice thing that even if you don't follow them back because you don't want to clog up your feed with things that aren't relevant to what you're trying to achieve you can still look at the people who follow you and go to their account and comment on their stuff or like their stuff so you're still working on that relationship mm. um, and you're still you know basically thanking them for taking their time you know, using their time on your stuff yeah um and um, so you're spending a few minutes each day doing that and then also spending a few minutes each day um, doing what I call outreach engagement. So this is sort of a little bit of piggybacking um, and can, again, feel quite cynical, uh, but there is a way to make it feel less cynical. Mm. So what you're doing is you're looking for accounts who operate in the same space that you do, who have a similar audience to the audience that you've identified as being your ideal reader. And you are going to go on their content, on their posts, and you're going to talk to them about what mm-hmm. they've posted. You're going to add a thoughtful comment, uh, you know, something meaningful that adds to the conversation or talks about a way, the way in which their content has resonated with you. And, um, you know, sometimes that can feel quite cynical because what you're hoping will happen is that the followers of that other account will notice your comment and come to check to see what you're doing so that you know that does feel quite cynical but the way I sort of justify it I suppose is by saying okay well the comment that I'm leaving on that account isn't just a a throwaway thing it's something that I genuinely mean Um, it's an insight that I genuinely have had you might be adding to that conversation by sharing mm. your insight. So you're adding something, you're a value yeah. to that piece of content by commenting your thoughtful, meaningful thing. So, you know, spending a few minutes each day doing something like that. And if you come, you know, if you're on an account that you want to, to piggyback on using the cynical way, um, <laughs> the cynical word for it, um, and they haven't posted something that appeals to you, then go somewhere else. Like, don't you? Know, it's not. It's not a case of you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. Like, it needs to feel meaningful. Yeah, and you need to genuinely have connected with that piece of content. Um, so, in terms of treating social media like your job, outside of content creation because content creation is its own kind of time um, allocation so outside of content creation using social media as your job I'm sort of thinking like if you're there for sort of half an hour a day um doing those things that I've just mentioned that is plenty um oh I totally agree and I think it's so important to talk about the fact that like you can if you're strategic about what you're doing and you have an idea of what you're doing, of what interests you, about who you're interested in attracting, um, and what you're interested in talking about, then you can do a huge amount in 20 or 30 minutes. And by by only doing those things in the 20 or 30 minutes and treating your kind of personal social media time perhaps as a separate thing that you may or may not have boundaries around (laughs) personally. (laughs) But I I think it's it's so good that you say that it's worth really looking hard at how you're using it already because you might actually think, well, I don't use it very much, but actually you might already be using it 20 minutes a day, even though you don't think you're using it very much and you could be using it much more strategically in those 20 minutes. I think that's it. I think that's it. And I think, you know, that they give us the gift of that information. So use it. So why not use it? Yeah. To be, to to make it you, to make it work for you, you know, rather than you being at at its mercy where you're just sort of like mindlessly scrolling and you're not really quite sure how much time you've been there and what you've achieved, make that information work for you. Absolutely. And okay. So this is probably a good time. Let's have a chat. Let's both of us have a little chat and share a couple of accounts that we quite like because I think it's quite nice 
for other writers to go onto somewhere like Instagram and look at writers who are kind of doing quite interesting things with their social media. Um, so do you want to start with maybe one that you really like? Yes. So um, I really love Joanna Wolforth. Wolforth, is that how you pronounce her yeah. surname? Um, who has written a book which is all about the history of breastfeeding. I think it's called Milk. It um, is. And in fact, I'm just going to stop you there. By the time this comes out my interview with her will have come out so hopefully oh, listeners will know exactly oh, who you're talking about that's but yes amazing. I really you know because that to me that the history of, I mean I breastfed my kids but the, the history of breastfeeding is not something that I would ever have given a huge amount of thought so so on this on sort of the surface that it feels like a very very niche subject that mm. wouldn't necessarily have a huge amount of appeal but what she's brilliantly doing with her social media is she's making she, she's pulling out examples through history like she uses pictures of, of really old like I mean ancient sculptures yeah. and she talks about the histories of these sculptures um and then she you know she's d- done some political bits and bobs like she got featured in private eye um which was amazing like world goals whatever that phrase is unlocked sort of achieved. <laughs> um yeah I, so so but what she's the way she's doing it is really true to her and her she's a historian isn't she a historian she's, she's an art historian yeah. yeah yeah and um it's really true to her you know there's no strange dancing there's no bells and whistles there's no um performance element to her social media presence she's a serious historian who's written this incredible book um and showing off her expertise and her knowledge and her research and that's what she's doing in her instagram so she will through her instagram she will find by doing that and not doing the other stuff um, she will find the people who are most likely to read her book. Yeah. So she's resisting that pressure to do this strange performance that happens quite often on social media. And she's saying, no, you know, like, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm interested in. This is what my book's about. Let me keep my social media very much in keeping with that, um, which in some ways feels quite revolutionary. Like, yeah. such you all, I'm not doing any of this nonsense that you're yeah. shouting about. Um, I'm just going to do this very uh, slow, steady, um, expert-led um, social media. And I think it's great. I think it's it's really important that people can use social, you know, can under- understand that they can use social media in that way. No, they're not going to get 3 million followers by doing that. But the followers they do get, are going to be the ones they want. Yeah, and super engaged in their work. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and who are also going to go and talk about their work to mm. other people. Because yeah. that's an essential element of promoting your book on social media. It's not just about your numbers, your mm. core audience. It's about well, what are you, what are they going to do with the book, the information that you're giving them? Are they going to go and share it? And that's yeah. why it's so important to give value and to give back because the more that you are giving out to people the more likely they are to sort of pass that on to their associates you know their their friends yeah Um, so I think yeah she's doing a fab job I think that's such a great example and also I would say um another previous interviewee on the podcast who is also um an arts journalist uh Chloe Ashby who wrote fiction who has combined on her social media combined um arts um journalism with her fiction really nicely. And again, because both of them write about art in different ways, academia and journalism, they both have a lot of pictures illustrating what it is that they're talking about. And so Instagram is a really great place for them to be doing that kind of work. Um, So I'm going to talk about someone completely different who does, has such a different looking account, but is doing it in a real, I think doing something really wonderful is Emily Henry writes. That's the account. Emily Henry is a romantic comedy commercial fiction writer who's very big and very lovely. And she has the most joyous account. She basically, her whole account is sharing other people's books pretty much entirely. And she, um, she is passionate about them. She shares really widely. She's incredibly generous. And um, she often puts 
the book right up next to her face. She's very attractive. The algorithm likes her. She knows it. <laughs> she knows that that people see the post if she puts her face in the picture. Um, and she also often does like four or five or six pictures and she's making consecutively sillier and sillier faces as they go along. Um, but she uses the platform she has to share other books. And that's almost all she does apart from when she's promoting her own book and then she might share when her events are happening and things like that. But generally that's what her whole account is about. And it is so enjoyable to follow her because of that. So she's, you know, she's doing that perfect thing of not only is she putting nice positive stuff out into the world, but for her and, and for the writers themselves who are seeing their work being shared, it's great. But also she's giving her audience value because they come to her knowing that she's going to be talking about and reading the kinds of books that they like so the next time that they want a book to read they know exactly where to go and who to listen to and then you know the and then the the long tail sort of um impact of that is that when she does have something to talk about to promote people are happy to listen yeah, because they, you know, they very much feel like, well, this is a, you know, this we we get a lot out of this arrangement. Like you're giving us all of this stuff, all of these recommendations and reviews that we know we can trust. Um, so we're very ready to listen to you now when you are ready to talk about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true. And so those are these are a couple of examples of just people who are doing very very different kinds of things, but really yeah. successfully in very their own way. Um, and I definitely think that's such a nice thing to do is go and follow a whole lot of other writers and authors to see what it is that they're doing, to see yeah. how they talk about their work and talk about other people's work, and just get a few ideas about. I guess what it is that you like, what appeals to you and what, what, um, and figure out what, what you're comfortable with doing as well by looking at other people's. Yeah. Cause I think that is, it's not something we've touched on, um, yet, but kind of figuring out what you are comfortable with mm. has to come quite early yeah. when you're sort of deciding, you know, those content pillars, it's also about, well, where are my boundaries? Mm. Um, you know, do, do I, also I have boundaries around this room that you can see in the background of the, of the this is the only room in my house that I share. I don't ever share any other yeah. room in the house. And that's just my personal boundary. Um, I no longer share my children's faces because they're now at primary school and they have their own lives and I just made a decision that I felt like it was right for us that I no longer share their faces I don't share their names um so I I don't talk about my relationship um with my husband and so I have very clear and distinct boundaries of the things that I'm comfortable talking um, about other people have different boundaries they do all the things that I don't do and that's okay that's totally up to them yeah um and you know and and their decision to share that stuff is not a reflection on my decision not to. Yes. Um, we're just different people with different boundaries. And I feel like there's so much judgment on social media about what people do and don't choose to share. And actually, I'm just like, well, let people live, you know, let people yeah. make decisions about their own lives, their own social media. So getting clear about what you're comfortable sharing Um it can also be really freeing because um, then you know where the lines are drawn. And if you get that horrible, icky feeling inside when you're about to hit post, try to figure out what that is. Is that because this is just something new and that that you haven't experienced before? Because that can sometimes feel quite scary Mm. and quite uh, vulnerable. Um, Or is this just a a line that you're not actually sure you want to cross? Yeah. and and do play around a little bit with that, you know, trying to figure out what it is that you're actually feeling. Because um, a lot of people feel icky about promoting their own book um, and they shouldn't because yeah. you've written it and you want people to read it. So talk about it. 
Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> I think this is so like important. <clears throat> yeah. And also in terms of how much you're posting, I know you, you talked about 20, 25%, but that would be in typical times. But obviously around yeah. when you're in a full-on launch period, it's going to be a lot more than that. But presumably if you've been adding value to people's exactly. lives at other times, they'll be lapping up when you're exactly. promoting your book. And um, they'll be patient with you, you know? They'll yeah. think, well, this person's given me all this stuff, all this, you know, all this stuff, all this beautiful stuff that's been really interesting and insightful and I've resonated with it or I found it funny or entertaining or whatever it might be um I'm gonna let them have their moment and if they don't want you to have your moment then good riddance unfollows are good things unfollows yeah. are good things and let also on that note I would say as well I sometimes occasionally realize that someone I'm already following has had a book come out and I hadn't even noticed because they posted about it twice. Yes. And the way the algorithm works, I might've missed some of those posts or I might've only seen one and then very quickly forgotten because you see a lot of content. Um, And I'm like screaming going, how do I not know you had a book that came out six weeks ago? Like I should have, it should have, I follow you. I should have a hundred percent known that. And And I know that that's a big fear that a lot of people have. Like I'm I'm going on about it. I'm going on about it too much. And I'm like, well, okay, let's talk benchmarks data. Lots of people like to be reassured. Um, If, if a piece of content, if you post that your book is out next week, that piece of content is likely um, to hit a maximum, this is a really high-performing piece of content. If it hits thirty percent of your yep. audience, a, a, a more realistic benchmark is more like ten percent of your audience will see it. So yep. that's a lot of people who haven't even seen it before. You take into consideration the people who see it and forget about it. Yep. So, so you know, you you must not feel like you are going on about something and everyone's sick of hearing from you especially in those time periods which are really short yeah. when your book is launching and you need to ride that wave of publicity um and then you know you then dial it down but you don't abandon it altogether yeah. as as time passes um and i feel like you know that's really important to remember have that in the back of your mind if you start to think oh everyone's going to get sick of me no, they're really not. Like they're really, really not. Um, you, if you've added value, and they probably haven't seen half of your posts anyway, and they've forgotten the half that they have seen, then you know you're really not going to piss people off. Just, just keep going. Just keep going. There is like a million more things we could talk about, but no. I'm gonna let's stop there because oh, <laughs> it's it's a huge topic. It's absolutely huge. It's a huge but, topic. But so I, yeah. so if if. Anyone listening wants more support with their social media is feeling a bit like, um, you know, in the woods over their social media and knows they want to make some changes and aren't quite sure um, how to do that. What are some different ways that people can work with you? Um, I mean, obviously for free, there's my Instagram account. I mean, I, I put lots of stuff up on my Instagram account. Which is super helpful. So everybody yeah. go have a little look. I'll make sure the links yeah. are in the show notes. And, you know, there's, and there's blog posts on my website that kind of go into things in, in a little bit more detail. And I have a newsletter that at the moment um, only goes out monthly just because of, of time. Uh, but, you know, uh, maybe one day will be more than monthly. So there's all those things that are for free. Um, I have an online um, group workshop coming up um in march that will be running on the 21st of march um tickets will be going on sale at the beginning of march um and then also i have i do a lot of one-to-one um sessions so i do things like content workshops um which are kind of like a three-hour sit down with me where we really bash through a lot of the stuff that we've talked about um and the beauty of the one-to-one is that you just have the time to and freedom to go really into depth and detail um and what i mean what else do i do i also offer kind of like more of a written service so if you're somebody who prefers a a written plan rather than a collaborative sort of face-to-face chat some people prefer to have it like something written down that they can kind of tick off things as mm-hmm. time goes by that I do that that's like, uh, an audit service that I offer um so I have you know a sliding scale of um 
of different kinds of support. Um, and hopefully um, I will be offering some kind of group program towards the end of this year. That's I'm, I'm sort of developing that at the moment. Um, so, yeah, that will that's in the pipeline. So hopefully that will be happening soon. Great. Well, I will put the links to all of those in the show notes. So um, everybody go find Nicola on Instagram, (laughs) too much underscore social. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, too much underscore social. And uh, yeah, and I'll put a link to your personal account as well so people can have a look and see the differences. I think it's really interesting to look at. Um, That's, oh, that's a whole other tangent. We're not going to, there's too many things we could talk about. So many things. (laughs) too many things. It's a big topic. Um, But thank you so much for talking through that today. I'm sure so many people are going to find that super, super helpful and hopefully a little bit less overwhelmed about getting stuck into social media. I can just make people feel a little bit more positive. Um, And I hate the word empowered. I think it's been done to death, but I suppose it's the best word, isn't it? Um, To, you know, talk about when you pour hours months years of your life into something like to not have it out there reaching as many people as it can reach just feels like you know it's far too sad like we can't let that happen and social media is a really powerful tool for getting the word out there about what you're doing so um yeah I really hope people feel just a little bit more optimistic or positive about using social media to promote what they're doing What a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for being here, Nicola. Thank you, Penny. 